welcome to The Pump Spot. I'm Amy Van Heeren. This platform is a place where we value community conversations and elevating voices around real topics, issues, and mothers. With that in mind, we wanted to bring you a wonderful, timely conversation with Maggie Roberson, a lactation consultant, a mother to eight, and a true champion of the nourishment journey. We met Maggie on the road in Shreveport, Louisiana, where she facilitates the Black Mothers Breastfeeding Club there, a mother-led group that helps to build social networks and enable women to overcome barriers to breastfeeding. By day, she supports parents through her work as an IBCLC at Christus Highland Medical Center and coordinator of their teen mom program. You will hear that Mackie is a true inspiration to all the mothers she guides with over 24 years of breastfeeding under her belt. This episode is the third in our series of conversations with Black mothers and leaders, and I am so excited to share it with you. Without further ado, here's the conversation with Mackie. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Mackie. I'm just going to start there. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, 24 and a half years of breastfeeding. That is such a beautiful, challenging, amazing road. Tell us, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your journey as a mother. Tell us how you, you know, got the hang of it and then why you've been committed to feeding for so long. Okay, so um, I was a young mom with my first child. I'm a mom of eight children born of my body. I have a whole lot more children born of my heart. Um, And when I started my road, my motherhood journey, I was really young and I did not have the benefit of having someone in my immediate family who had breastfed. And originally, my plan was to place my child for adoption. So at the last minute, literally, um, the decision was made to not place them for adoption and to instead parent. But then suddenly I had a baby that needed to eat. I was a young college student with no funds, but I had breasts. And I knew I had read everything about the pregnancy so that I could kind of be prepared for what to expect for delivery. So I knew that there was milk there because I had read a book called The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding. Um, And even though I planned to give the baby up for adoption, I just wanted to read to kind of figure out what was going on in my body. So after I made the decision to parent, I was like, oh, geez, what do I do? Surely this is natural, right? You just put the baby on and it just happens. Well, no, that is not what happened. So I checked the book out from the library, which I in turn ended up having to buy because I kept it so long. Um, But it was just me and that book. And I kept thinking, this is not easy. This is frustrating. I can't tell whether or not the baby's getting enough. And every time I try to ask someone, no one could answer my basic questions about it. So how could this natural process be so unnatural? Um, so anyway, I looked at the computer back then. It was America Online uh, at the library, and it told me that there were people who did this work called lactation consultants. And I thought, oh, well, I should find one of those, except there was not one in my immediate area. The nearest one to me was about 400 miles away. So through a lot of bumping and fumbling with the womanly art and the pictures in that book, I was able to successfully breastfeed that child for 16 months. So 
I just became committed at that point. I did not know it was going to be my life work until several more years. Yeah. So at that point, you'd made it through. That's that's such a tremendous amount of time, especially as young as you were and not knowing what to go through and really not having a support system. Right. Right. You know yourself. And so then did you really was it the rest of the children and just continuing on this journey of breastfeeding that really got you to a point of feeling called to work helping other women and mothers? Yeah, it probably was when I had my twin boys. Um, I had given birth to a set of twin girls and one of them passed away. And so that was a little traumatic, but I was still able to nurse the baby that was remaining. And and it was a, not as many, you know, hiccups in the road. I had done it successfully. So I didn't really question my ability to do it at that point. But then 18 months later, when I had another twin pregnancy, I got to thinking, oh, goodness, we are going to have four children under the age of six. What are we going to do? I got to get this breastfeeding going. Two breasts, we're going to have to work it out. Um, At that point, I tried to find a lactation consultant again, and still there wasn't one in my area. And I thought, you know what? After I get these kids weaned, I'm going to become a lactation consultant because I always, I live my life thinking you, we always have to be who we needed at our weakest moment. Um, That's kind of how I structure my own life. I always think about what challenges I had as a young mom and being uh, open to always supporting another mom on her journey so that it's not as difficult. Um, And I think if you approach things that way, it makes it a whole lot easier to be um, empathetic to a new mom. Because when my mothering started, you know, we didn't have social media. I think the only reason why it didn't do me in is because I didn't know what was happening in my neighbor's house. So I didn't have to be concerned with, is this right? Does this look okay? Should this be this way? Is this normal? Um, It was normal because it was what was happening in my house. You know, I would see the pediatrician and I knew that my child was growing and they were having diapers. And so, and my womanly art book was telling me that this is, this is where, you know, you need to be. So after the twins, I really began to try to figure out how do I now help other moms? So um, that's kind of, and my twin, those twin boys are 21 years old. So for at least the last 21 years, I have been um, solidly committing to learn everything I can about breastfeeding. I became a peer counselor with the WIC department. And from there, I um, eventually became an IBCLC. 21 years of this work in all different formats and working with so many women. And I know you do it for work. And you're also the leader of the Black Mothers Breastfeeding Club of Shreveport, which is um, where we saw you when we were on the RV and where we first met. So fun to come to your town. And so what, you know, all this time with mothers, what, what have they taught you? What is the experience of, of, spending time with all these women in the act of making milk and trying to make it one more day and get through, what has it taught you over the years about what mothers really need in this phase of life? I think what I've learned most from moms is that moms just want to be heard. They just need you to listen to them. They need you to hear what their perceived problem is. A lot of times it it can be completely unrelated to feeding. They just want to be validated. They want to feel like 
she heard me, she gets it. And even if she doesn't get it in this moment, she's sharing space with me and she's being empathetic. Um, and so um, I feel like I have learned a tremendous amount of uh, empathy for moms. I think that's why I'm still so solidly committed to helping moms. Um, and so um, it's been, it's the driving force that keeps me going, even on the rough days. When I first met you, I think what stood out the most is you, you sort of lead with your heart. There's this warmth to you and this energy that radiates and you're, you know, you're exactly the sort of person that I think I, in that phase of life, would have, would have wanted to be my first phone call. And I know that, that you're, the community you serve, I saw that firsthand and the mothers who came on board and connected with you. And I know that last year you actually won an award. You won the Christus Diversity and Inclusion Leadership Award. And I saw one of the posts from the mothers that you've worked with around that who said that when you feel overwhelmed, her warm, caring eyes look at you and say, you got this and I'm right here with you. And I can't imagine anything better in this phase. And so tell me how, how can other leaders in this space, other lactation consultants, how can they tap into that empathy? And what advice do you have for them in terms of serving the community and coming from a place of such warmth and openness to help moms get through? My advice to another uh, professional, lactation professional, or anyone working with moms, whether it's feeding related or not, is to just um, come alongside a mom and treat her as though she were your sister or your child. Um, it's like I said, always try to be whoever you needed. Remember those moments when you were a new mom and you, so much was happening to your body that you either expected or didn't expect. You know, we make all these plans about the birth and then we kind of forget about what's going to happen immediately following that. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to moms, I'm able to get an inroads with them in a way that a lot of times most other people aren't because I stop. I don't think about anything clinical that I need to tell her. Uh, I come into her space. I ask permission to be invited into her space. If she's not feeling me right then, I'm good with that. I'll give her some time and I'll come back later. Um, I ask permission. I come alongside, I try to find some point of connecting that is non-clinical. Um, I found that that works best for me. Um, and then when a mom feels like you care just about her as a person, as a mom, um, as a woman, um, and she's important in your mind because you have that connection, she'll, she'll just tell you whatever. Um, but she feels like you, you that's, that's how you connect with people. Um, and it can be weird things. It can be, um, I connected with the mom over our love for glitter uh, one day um, and everybody else had had a hard time connecting with her. And they kept telling me, oh, she's not going to tell you anything. She's going to know it all. She's going to be this. She's going to be that. I went in there. We connected over glitter polish that she had on her toes. Now, I probably would have never used that glitter polish in my life, but I used that as a connection with her. And I found that she had lost her mom during the pregnancy. And so she was grieving, but also bringing life into the world. And her thing that she was worried about the most is, I'm not going to have anybody to ask if this is okay. Does this look okay? 
does a mom really do this? She was grieving, but also celebrating the birth of her baby. I've now been friends with this woman for a little bit over five years. Um, and we connected over glitter nail polish. And she, she, she would call me and ask me all kinds of things just about being a mom. Um, Cause she felt like I cared, you know? So I think you have to start from a point of we're both human. I have been where you are and it's tough. And it's not going to be like anything you read in the magazines. And that's okay. Every mom's story is valid. And your story may not look like your neighbor's, And that's perfectly okay. I think the connection piece of that is so important. And I think it relates a lot to the cultural conversations that are taking place, you know, in our country right now about where mothers are and voices being heard and the ability to see another human uh, in an equal and valid way. And, you know, we know from the statistics and from all the people we've met that, that equality in breastfeeding care uh, is not equal, that there's a lot of racial disparities for breastfeeding mothers in terms of how the care that they receive in access to breastfeeding support. And so tell me what's happening in your community. Tell me what you and also what you feel black breastfeeding mothers are missing and what they really need so we can think about how to show up in our own communities to support i think the thing most missing for most black women is um there are two two parts one they don't know anybody who has breastfed because we have a couple of generations now who didn't um so they don't know either peer or family member who's breastfed. And so that is a missing piece. Although I see it starting to change uh, some, I feel like that's missing. But also a bigger elephant in the room is the stigma around breastfeeding as it relates to generational feelings about wet nursing. Um, I was having this talk with some moms from our group. She told me that um, her grandmother did not breastfeed her fan, her daughters because she felt like it was a, she was told that women who were dignified and classy did not do that. And it was a status symbol. She was afraid that her neighbors would think that she was poor. So she didn't breastfeed. And then her mom, the, her, her grandmother had not breastfed either. But the reason why she didn't breastfeed is because um, her mother which would be her great great grandmother had shared stories about um, her having to be a wet nurse for the family she was sharecropping for, and that's how they, you know, paid for their room and board. And so it just had a real negative stigma in her brain. And so then that was two generations out, and nobody had breastfed. So um, I feel like if we have open dialogue and validate feelings about a mom bringing all of that baggage to her own mothering um, and allow moms to talk about it in a real way and release the emotions around it, we can begin to move forward. Um, and I think also normalizing a lot of, a lot of times we'll find ourselves in situations where breastfeeding is concerned. It happened to me just the other day. I, it was a colleague. She said, here's a mom. She's nursing. She's still nursing her 18 month old. Can you believe and I was like, that 18 month old is still an infant. And if we um, 
in conversations, just as a regular part of life, normalize breastfeeding, allow it to not be something that's sexualized and talk about it just like it's normal um, and shut it down in a conversation. You can at least plant seeds to have future conversations with people to move away from breastfeeding being so sexual and such a negative thing, even you know, long-term nursing. Um, every time I get an opportunity, I tell someone, you know, America's the only place where we think long-term breastfeeding is weird. And people roll their eyes, but now I've said that so much, so they have started having those same conversations. And when they see someone and they have a conversation about, oh, the baby's over a year old and know why they're still nursing, then I've seen a lot of them now start to say, oh, but you know what, Maggie said, that's not, that's, that's not uncommon. Only in America is it weird. And I said, yeah, hello, you feed a random cow's breast milk, but you think it's weird for the mom to feed her breast milk. Um, so I think if we focus on normalizing, allowing people to grieve their experiences as they um, get ready to move forward with their own family, we'll see a whole lot of momentum, positive momentum. Are we starting to see momentum speed up at all? And in, in, it feels to me that we, the recent cultural events and some of the conversations, and you and I just attended the Black Mothers Breastfeeding Association birth and breastfeeding virtual conference, which we both said felt like the first virtual conference I've been to that felt like a warm hug with all the energy and creative minds and, you know, Kanata Green and they just did such a wonderful job with that conversation and that panel. And, and I think there were a lot of conversations around breastfeeding disparities and um, how we might combat that. But I also think there was, there's more, there are more open conversations happening recently than I've seen in a while. And so do you feel that, do you, do you see that as well? Do you feel that communities and that we're, we're opening up this dialogue and, and how can we do more of that in our own circles? I do think that the dialogue is certainly opening. Um, I think that um, we, now is not the time to rest on our laurels. We, we are starting to see those doors open and now's the time to walk right through, but not just go alone, <laughs> take some friends so that um, everybody is saying the same thing. And we're saying it in numerous ways. Um, I do see I do see us gaining some momentum. Um, probably when I first started doing this work and collecting metrics on it, I would say that the at least the initiation rates were far more uh, dismal than they are now. Um, now we're getting moms to initiate. We just got to keep them going, keep them going. Um, I think um, Rome wasn't built in a day and neither was this work. Um, we, we've had two generations uh, who have not breastfed and who felt like formula is normal. Now I'm not against formula, but I think I, t I like to tell my moms formula should be thought of as medicine. We don't routinely take medicine that we do not need. Therefore we should not be giving our babies medicine that they don't need. They need their mother's milk. Um, and that's how I try to normalize the conversation with someone who is very adverse to nursing. Um, I think um, for me, one of the good things with COVID happening, if there could be any silver lining at all, is I have been able to at least initiate and get some people nursing their babies who had not even thought about it prior to 
um, because really there was no need, there was no urgency. And that um, pandemic created a sense of urgency for moms that be like, you know what, I might need to look at this breastfeeding. If it's the best thing for my baby, and I've been hearing that, but I really was kind of checked out to that whole thing. Now, oh, let me see. So I've had moms who had delivered, even in the earlier part of the year, who contacted me and said, so I've already been nursing my, but not nursing my baby. Do you think it's too late? Can we relactate? Is it too late? So um, we're, we're moving in the right direction. We just got to not lose steam and keep going. Are there resources or uh, organizations that you really like to suggest moms look to when they're on this journey and trying to find some support? A lot of times moms will reach out to me and they could be anywhere all over the world. Um, in the northern part of the U.S., um, I usually tr refer moms to BIMFA um, and resources that BIMFA has with like doulas and all of those in-home uh, support systems, Southeast Michigan, uh, IBCLCs, um, because those avenues are going to be reflective of the community. So moms will be more apt to, to be more trusting. Um, and then if they're in the southern half of the U.S., I refer them to Cafe LA, um, uh, Nurse Nikki, because um, um, it will be this, it's the same kind of work. Um, I always try to avail myself to help a mom if I can. I'll tell her, let's have a Zoom session so that we can see kind of what's going on. And I'll ask her where she is. And then I'll reach into my own um, Rolodex and find a mom who's near her or I'll reach out on an IBCLC groups that I'm in and say, if anybody is near this woman, can you help me find um, I try to leave no mom or baby behind because most times women have very basic questions that rarely do they need a full on LC consult, um, which can be a tiring work, but it's so worth it. So worth it. Yeah. You've been giving so much of yourself to so many women for so long and so many families, probably watching them grow and hearing the stories and say, staying in touch you know, what does this work really mean to you and what has it given back to you over the years? To me, um, I really treat all of these moms and babies like they're all my babies. At the end of the night, um, a lot of times I go to bed really tired because I have poured and poured and poured and poured to other folks all day long. Um, and sometimes just getting an IG message or inbox from Facebook to say, I got it. I figured it out. It's so worth it to me in the long run. And seeing these families in the community uh, and they'll remember that I helped them. And I told, I gave your information to XYZ person who's pregnant now because I told them, oh, you need her. You need her. So it's really grown my family in exponential ways. I have, I'm the mother of eight born of my body, but that's why I say I have so many more children who are born of my heart um, through this work. Hey friends, we want to take a quick break and remind you of all the places you can connect with us and this lovely pump spotting community. If you're a nursing, pumping, or new mom, or a seasoned mom who just wants to get back, hop on our app. If you're also working or you're part of a company that wants to support breastfeeding employees, then Pump Spotting at Work is for you. Find out more at pumpspotting.com. What has been the most challenging and also what has been the most rewarding parts of your own journey 
in breastfeeding? The most challenging uh, parts have been, ooh, is this normal? I think we all, we all at some point think, oh, is this normal? Is this okay? <laughs> Am I doing this right? Um, and eventually you just have to figure out, oh yeah, well, guess what? Nobody has this whole part figured out. It's all one big science project and nobody has gotten to the end result yet. Um, so that's the most challenging. The most rewarding um, has been as I watch my own children get older and they um, grow up um, to see the real life benefit of having that long-term health out good health outcome because they were breastfed. Um, I get so proud. Um, I saw my pediatrician who had been my pediatrician for 20, over 20 years, he was getting ready to retire and I was transitioning to a new practice. And he said, that new practice is going to be all electronic charting. He said, I told him you had all these kids and they got ready to put your records in and your records were far less than most people uh, because your kids just aren't sick. Um, and that wow. was a real big, I was like, oh yes, I was doing something right. It was so worth it. It was so worth it. That's pretty cool because often this is a long-term play, breastfeeding in a way. You know, you get a lot of benefits in the beginning. Of course, you get the, you know, the endorphins and some of the things it gives back to you and what have you. But it, it can be a lot of time and struggle and, and work without an immediate reward. And so how amazing. That's pretty amazing to sit with your pediatrician and look back and see the health impacts that you've had and to really think about how tremendous the gift has been that you've given your family and what it means. That's pretty awesome. So I want to go back for a minute to something you said early on. You were speaking on your own journey and there was no social media and there's no way to, in a way it's almost what I heard you say was you lived in a world or in a time period where the distractions were less. And I think with less distractions or less to turn to, I would imagine you were able to tap into your own intuition. You were able to, you were reading this book, you were, it was you and the baby, but you probably spent a lot of time listening to yourself and listening to your baby and figuring it out, but working through it. And we've had a number of conversations over the couple of years we've been on the bus with, with moms about how, how hard it is sometimes to remain tuned in to yourself and your journey as a mother. And I think how vital that is, you know, how, when you're working with all these women, how do you help them refine their intuition or, or kind of clear away the noise to listen to themselves? So I usually always try to tell a mom who is, especially a mom who is newly postpartum, um, don't compare and despair. Please, please, please do not compare what's happening with you with, to what happened with your sister or your cousin or your mom, because your journey is valid. Even if you hit bumps in the road and you need some lifelines, absolutely use the lifelines, reach out and uh, I'm available to you. I want to be there to help you. I'm never going to stand in judgment of you. If I hear something that's completely wacky, I'm going to tell you, mama, no, look here, that's, that's wacky. Um, and, and I also make it a point to say, please don't feel like I'm some wonder woman and I have this all figured out because I don't. What I have that you don't is I did not have the peanut gallery that I could physically see. 
my girlfriends could tell me all day long what was happening in their lives, but I, it wasn't thrust upon me, which was a blessing and a curse at the same time. I think in some ways um, I just trudged through because it was my normal and I got through it. And I, and I tell moms, I said, but even though you know what's happening in the peanut gallery, they're showing you a highlight reel. Always remember you are just getting highlights. You're not getting the brass tacks of what it took to get there. And you know, just like I know, she's cleaning up for the company to come, <laughs> just like you are. And usually, that usually makes a mom feel a whole lot less uh, overwhelmed about whether or not this is right or whether or not this is normal or if this is how it should be. I tell my moms, it should be however it is. Get through today. Get through the next feeding. Don't worry about what this is going to look like in two weeks. Don't worry about what this is going to look like in six weeks. Don't wish it away because babies do not keep. They're going to be babies for a vapor of time. It's exhausting. I always tell my moms, welcome to the most um, exhausting, thankless job of your life. But it's also the most rewarding. You look back and you will have survived. And you'll be helping your child survive several milestones along the way. Parenting is certainly a marathon. It is not a sprint. I feel like that's good advice for, for everything right now. Make it through today. Make it through two weeks, you know. Right, right. We're all just holding on, getting through bit by bit. But I think, and I love, I love your phrase of my normal. I think that's a very valid, every journey is different. And if we can think about what is my normal and what is it that I need and, and you know, try and, try and find the joy in that uh, in a world of, of lots of, of challenges right now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I told, I tell, I like to tell moms, I'm so grateful that I didn't know what was happening in my favorite uh, movie stars life and how her mothering went. I'm so, I'm so glad I didn't have to think about whether or not this woman actually did fit into this dress three days post delivery. Cause bear in mind, you know, you, she also had, Photoshop and a whole army of people to get her there. You know, I tell them, utilize those people who are in your space wanting to help. Take them up on their help. When they start giving you advice about nursing, you just smile in disregard. That is really important advice because a lot of people like to give advice when it comes to nursing. And, you know, you hear it all and, and some of it you take and some of it you pass on. But I think I think keeping people around you is a good one. You really need that circle. And certainly that's why I'm here. And what I love most about the work that we're doing is getting to expand the circle of who we meet. And, uh, you know, I've been inspired and in awe of you since the first moment we spoke and, and seeing one another. And I um, cannot wait to bring the bus back. If you'll have us, we'd love to return again when we get back. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I guess before we go, before we wrap up, you know, usually we ask everyone to leave a little uplift for moms, a bit of advice or a little pep talk before we go. I know you've given us so many gems and so much, but is there anything you want to say maybe to all the mothers that you connected with and met over the years? I just would, would hone in on, remind them that motherhood is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, all mothering journeys are valid, whether babies are born of your body or born of your heart. 
Um, all mothers want to give their babies the best. The best gift you can give your baby is being authentically you. Um, don't try to mirror or give your baby something that you feel like is uh, the absolute uh, bee's knees. Because guess what? That's going to be different every day. Don't try to think too far ahead of this. Just take it in strides. You know, and if you have a completely a day that runs completely off the rails, that's fine, too. There'll be a bunch of those. Take it in stride, dust yourself off and get up and start over the next day. You know, just like mercy is new every day. So is motherhood. I love it. Well, Mackie, thanks for shining your light on this conversation and getting to connect. It's a joy, as always, to talk with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. This has been the Pump Spotting Podcast. We'll be continuing the conversation and hanging out over on our app. We hope you'll come by to share your story and thoughts. And if you haven't already downloaded Pump Spotting, it's quick and easy to set up your profile and join the community. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to our wonderful production team at Pitchwire, who partner with us to bring you these stories. We'll see you next time. And remember, you are capable, you are radiant, and you are not alone.